Welcome to Horns Up. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And today we are doing our bit just like everyone else in the heavy metal community and adding on to the gargantuan pile of content that's being produced to celebrate the 30th birthday of Metallica's fifth studio album, Metallica, popularly known as the Black Album. But since it's Horns Up and we feel the need to yap, we are doing this in the all A's album format, which means despite the outstanding commercial success that the album enjoys, and despite its massive popularity, legacy status, and all of that, we are going to try and decide if the Black Album is indeed all A's. And how do we do that? By grading each of the 12 songs on it, a majority of straight A's all across the board will bestow on it the highly coveted, rare as fuck title of an all A's album. And because it's an all A's album, like always, helping the two of us out are our prestigious co-jurors from Singapore, one of my favorite people, Ravi Balakrishnan. Welcome back to Horns Up. How are you feeling? Hey, how's it going? And um, another right. of our favorite people, journalist Anurag Taggart. Welcome back. How are you doing? Yeah, hey, Anurag. Yeah. Hey, Peter. Hey, Ravi. Yeah, it's just, uh, nice to be back on Horns Up as always. Yeah, I think we can't do a Honza, we can't do a All A's without Anurag, right? So. <laughs> he brings the additional A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, if you combine the three of you, then you're just the AAP, which is. Or we can be the AARP. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the American Association of Retired Persons. Exactly, so, right? You know, wow. quite appropriate since we're talking about Metallica because I think they retired. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I knew that was going to come up right, at the, right up at the beginning, which is why. I thought before we begin actually dissecting this album, it's best to kind of set the stage and try and understand where we are all at with our Metallica fanboyism. So I'm going to ask all of you a simple question. And also I'm giving you guys options to answer it as well. Okay. Uh, And of course, if the options don't really suit you, you can come up with your own unique answer. So the question is, what kind of a Metallica fan are you? Okay, option A, Metallica didn't do and can't do anything wrong. Option B, it's only the first four albums that matter. Option C, 90s Metallica is a natural evolution and I enjoy it. And option D, fuck Metallica, I'm listening to Megadeth. Ravi. B. B, it's only the first four albums that matter. Absolutely. Peter. Nothing else matters. (laughs) (laughs) come on this is too easy man (laughs) Peter so it depends and I'm going to like come up with option E is I'm somewhere in between uh, B and C and uh, yeah that's what I'm going to say Anurag yeah I'm going to come up with option F then and just be like you know option F is well what else does F stand for (laughs) (laughs) F can stand for a lot of stuff, man. We don't know if you're genuinely a fan or if you're genuinely like the other F word or what. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I guess uh, to I, I would just probably be like, fuck it. Like, you know, it's okay. Like, uh, uh, doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> mm, okay. I'm in between option A and B because yes, it is the only first four albums that actually do matter. But uh, at this stage in life, when Metallica is clearly having post-retirement um, success in that sense, they aren't doing, they're, they're doing everything right. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's where we are at on our Metallica journeys. Next question, purely subjective one once again. 
uh, when did you guys pop your black album cherry and take us back to that moment were you into metal or metallica at that time what's the story like how did you get into the album what was your first listening experience like peter so as i think will be a consensus with all of us i heard enter sandman first and uh, it was like most of the stories i tell about getting into metal is a friend of mine you know burnt a compilation cd of me uh, for me there was enter sandman and nothing else matters and a bunch of other stuff new metal and all of that and i was like oh interesting and i couldn't believe that it was the same band that had enter sandman and nothing else matters then of course later on i figured out okay this is the black album metallica album and this is around the same time that i was telling you like i'd actually heard i disappear because mission impossible tom cruise all of that you know i don't i don't think we need to get into that as yet but uh, i'd heard that so i was like okay wait this band kind of has other stuff right which is sounds different and i think my friend neeskins probably because he used to do this great he would get like the cd do a proper bootleg version like download the lyrics sheet and all of that and put it together so he kind of gave that to me so this would be around 2001 or 2 i think and then i heard saint anger so i think we should stop at my story there <laughs> okay cool anurag what about you Yeah, and I mean, I think even for me, it was similar in the sense of like I heard like all eras of Metallica in the first shot itself. So I, I find it hard to remember which one I heard first, like because that that's the weird part, right? Like you were hearing, I was listening to, I was watching the video for Nothing Else Matters, and then I would watch the video for Enter Sandman, and then I Disappear would come on, and then uh, Frantic and Saint Anger would play. uh you know on mtv or wherever channel v i think and yeah so i feel like it was a mix of everything uh in that sense and uh, it kind of gave like a bigger picture of maybe who they were and where they are now and stuff like that and definitely uh, snm was one of those first sort of proper music uh dvds that i ever had so uh, i got from my older brother and yeah it was it was really cool it was definitely like uh, put metallica on quite a pedestal for me in terms of what a metal band could do but just to add to this if you're talking about watching the music videos i'm sure you guys also remember i think i can't remember it was mtv or channel v they used to do that artist of the month and then like have that same six or eight videos constantly on rotation like i remember saint anger being like constantly on tv you couldn't like get away from it if you put on a music channel it was like and it also became the thing that i think with metallica right it's one of those bands uh, when you're younger it's like to metallica sunta hai kya you don't hear metal you don't like metallica it's that that kind of thing uh, in there but please i want to hear from ravi now oh yeah You know, I mean, I could write a small book on this, but I'll try to keep it short. Uh, so I uh, heard the Black Album pretty much sequentially. Uh, we had, in fact, uh, the I don't know, it's a slightly colloquial way of putting it, but the Diwali vacation of nineteen ninety one was when we first heard uh, Master of Puppets, and uh, you know, uh, uh, it was of course a bootleg of a bootleg of a bootleg. in the process someone had fiddled with the settings and so it sounded 
a lot more oppressively heavy than it actually is. And, you know, we, I remember all of us, we were probably just around 15 at that time, listening to something like the thing that should not be and saying, holy shit, what's happening on this song? You know, it was just completely bizarre. And so uh, naturally when, you know, a new album by Metallica, the famous Metallica showed up, we forked out cash for it. By that time, through various sources, both illicit and legal, we'd more or less managed to patch together the entire discography. And I remember the first time I heard Nothing Else Matters, I was like, okay, the song's gonna get interesting about now. It's gonna get good around now. Now's the time they're gonna get into the heavy segment. And then they never did. So I think that was like my first disappointment with the Black Album. And Oh, well, to be honest, there was a time I liked it a lot. And, you know, I mean, I was like listening to it almost every day. And I thought even the non-hit songs were not so bad. And then the friend of mine who'd borrowed uh, a tape on which I had And Justice For All and Raining Blood both on one uh, album, like returned that tape to me. And I was like, holy shit, I've been listening to crap. This album blows Metallica out of the water. What the hell is this? And yeah, so, you know, I mean, I was a huge fan for the time when I was a fan. And so I guess it's disillusionment and what have you. Uh, so, yeah, I don't like the album at all. I think it's got one of their single best ever songs, which is The Unforgiven, uh, a song so good that they've tried to destroy it by doing version after version after version of it. And, you know, uh, they it's almost like they know that that's the one non-crappy part of the album and now they are like you know waging war against it but the unforgiven is still great the rest of the album block okay we don't need to do an all-days album now uh, <laughs> jokes apart jokes apart I mean, yeah whatever <laughs> well my story with the black album is kind of it's a hybrid version of the three stories that we've heard so far uh metallica to me was introduced by a neighbor uh, one of the people that I that got me into heavy metal itself. And weirdly enough, we only listened to Ride the Lightning and Master the Puppets and Kill 'em All. Um, so those were the albums that, that that I first got into Metallica from as such. And popularly, I only knew them as the band that had made the uh, song that was used by Sting in WCW as, as entrance theme, which was Seek and Destroy. So I couldn't really like I knew that the black album was supposed to be this more this like it was hyped beyond expectation, but I didn't actually listen to it for a really long time, even though I'd already heard uh Enter Sandman, Sad But True, and Nothing Else Matters and The Unforgiven. Yeah. Yeah. But then I was told not to listen to that album and instead listen to a band called Mechadeck, which was actually just a, a stupid way of saying Megadeth. But uh yeah, so I didn't actually listen to the Black Album for a really long time until I finally did. And we'll talk about that once we start talking about the songs. Alrighty, cool. So it's Metallica's Metallica. Everyone already knows how old the album is, the factual stories behind almost all the songs, its artwork, its production, its journey, everything. So I'm not going to add on to the reaps of information that's already easily accessible. Instead, let's just get into this and have some fun. Everybody ready? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That was the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's begin with song number one Enter Sandman. 
Peter, start this one off. Listen, don't. I'm 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 taking the shot here first, but it cannot be anything less than an A plus plus, because I was listening to the song again, and it. What this is one thing I love about music, right? And I was talking about how I heard uh, Enter Sandman the first time. Every time I listen to the song, I just fucking get excited. It takes me back to that moment where you know that opening riff is so distinct that. I think even non-metal heads, like a lot of my friends who don't even like, have never heard or know that there's the Black album, know this one riff and know that there's an Enter Sandman song, and even that spoken word part that goes in the middle sometimes still gives me chills. And I think this, that was like the entire song, man. I don't know, like I I I I see no wrong in this song. Please tell me, Ravi, what do you think? Oh, I love the music video. The music video is fantastic. I wish they had a nicer song to go with it. Uh, one of these days, if I have the enthusiasm, I'll basically overlay that music video with you know something else purely for my private consumption. Of course, I don't want Metallica's lawyers getting up my ass. <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, but I, I like the music video a lot. I think it would be. Uh, an A song, despite my misgivings about it, except for the guitar solo, which kind of drags it down into the, you know, D minus territory. The entire is just one of the most irritating noises on earth. And whenever my head wants to torment me, it just keeps playing that part over and over in a loop. So, yeah. When you say it like that, yeah, it just makes <laughs> like Kirk Abbott is going to hear this and come after you now. <laughs> Forget the rest of Metallica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, as like if if you take it for example as an ap- album opener, I suppose like it, it is quite uh, quite the opening statement for a band like Metallica, who had uh, yeah just been doing like all kinds of things uh, up until then, right? So yeah, I feel like Enter Sandman was quite a interesting opening statement from the band that way and of course for me like personally like obviously I heard it without the context of the album the first time and uh, I think similar to Ravi it was definitely probably the music video that uh, you know like first struck me uh, and yeah like that way it's it's yeah the audio visual presentation is, is great and yeah for me it's, it's still an A plus because uh, it, it was um yeah like say what you will like you know like if, if it's one of the first songs you heard about heard uh you know off metallica uh then you probably did the they did you know like all the in addition to all the record label execs and marketing guys who did the job right like i guess it's also that yeah it remains one of their most famous songs of all time you'd hear it everywhere you go so yeah yeah don't worry guys even i'm i have this as an a2 purely because it's enter sandman it's it's reached yeah. the point it's <laughs> It's reached a point in time where if you, if like, you know, if heavy metal is supposed to be your kitchen, then enter Sandman is properly your salt. You need it. It's, I mean, yeah, that's, it's, it's an essential. It's basically salt at this point. So you have to have it no matter what. It's an A. Yeah. So also I black like album off, off to a very good start. Yeah, also I'd just like to mention that um, I heard uh, literally as recently as two two days ago, I heard Weezer cover Enter Sandman and it was, uh, yeah, I was playing on, on the radio somewhere in the US. Uh, I just, so yeah, it was, it was just, um, uh, it was from that Blacklist album that obviously I think we have to speak about at some point. If of course, we'll be doing uh, that. 
Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> there are some people who are definitely the yeah. unforgiven for it. For yeah. Funnily me. enough, um, I actually thought that the, I mean, I can't stand Weezer. I think Weezer are awful. I think Weezer are, you know, they were basically a, a hair metal band that kind of, uh, and they kind of deserved to be called that, who kind of pivoted to alternative just in time to catch a new wave because they were an unsuccessful glam rock band. But having said that, the guitar lead on Weezer's Enter Sandman is better than the guitar lead on Enter Sandman. And apart from everything else, they throw in a lick to Buddy Holly towards the end, which I thought was quite funny. So, yeah, I like that guitar lead better than I like the uh, Kermit on Enter Sandman. For what it's worth, and this is an ECW reference for anybody who's a wrestling fan, Enter Sandman is a fucking awesome entrance theme. As uh, as used yeah, by yeah. Sandman itself in ECW. Okay, cool. So Enter Sandman deservedly at least deserves an A, or it's gotten an A from the four of us, an A plus from Anurag and Peter. Oh, you you Please you have it as a B? No, I said it. You was, said it's an A, but the but the, oh, yeah, 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 the yeah, yeah, solo yeah, yeah. that yeah, got you okay, would be. We're right, so I, I'm t- I've taken. Care, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't question Animesh's note taking. Huh? Okay, yeah, I can Cool. So let's get into song number two then. Sad but true. Anurag, start this one off. Uh, this was uh, one of the songs I heard much later on, and um, and then when I heard in the context of the album once again, like since you know we're sort of talking about this as as a whole album, right? Like, um, yeah, like like it. I could um, sort of. I heard this and I could see like just how influenced like every band that came after Metallica was, was, you know, by them, like just the fact of like how this, how this rhythm goes and just how the groove goes. Like, yeah, it it felt very, very, um, yeah, authoritative. It just felt very um, uh, different in that way. And of course, like, I'm pretty sure people are free to correct me that even Metallica must have probably picked this up from somebody else. But uh, yeah, like, you know, f- for me, it was, it was just like a very definitive song. So, uh, and the, the, the chorus was obviously something that like they make you sort of wait for, I feel, um, or at least like the words of sad, but true in the chorus. So yeah, like that way I felt like it was quite well um, written. Um, yeah. So uh, for me, yeah, it's an, it's an A. And what about um, Peter? I, I'm giving it an A also. I mean, Again, I think heard it much later. I didn't hear it in the album context first. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I watched it on SNM. I can't remember now. It's all muddled up for me. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I like that part. I mean, like I keep using Sad But True for a lot of comebacks sometimes. It's just one of those things, man. Uh, especially in like metal conversations. So it's become that part of me uh, now but uh, I, I really enjoyed the track I mean like when you see the way they've sequenced it and I'm going to like really nitpick on that later on but you see how it goes like you know enter sad man uh, sad but true well done rest of the tracks yeah, let's when we get to it we'll talk why don't you tell us what you think Adamesh what have you rated it I've rated it an A um Having said that, though, it's the first time in a Metallica album that songs one and two don't pulverize you. Um, Sad But True is heavy. I grant them that. But it's not The Four Horsemen. It's not Ride the Lightning. It's not Master of Puppets. It's not Unjustice for All. That being said, it is heavy. But when compared to previous Metallica albums, it's just not heavy enough. When put it into context of this particular album, it is uh, one of their heavier tracks. Um, It's an average song. 
having said that an average for metallica is still pretty good so it's an a for me ravi yeah well i mean i think you guys are lucky because you guys were you know born a decade later than i was at least uh i not just heard sad but true i also heard a lot of indian bands plodding their way through sad but true so we we all done that that album i mean that song has basically had the crap kicked out of it as far as i'm concerned yeah you know i mean after you heard numerous indian bands at the iit elements go sad but true you know <laughs> you can't unhear that even when you're hearing the actual song so yeah definitely uh Uh, riff wise i'd say it's an a it's a really really good riff if they'd kind of sped it up who knows where it would have got to i think there's a controversy around that song about it having been ripped off from some other band or something like that i seem to have read something on those lines on blabbermouth a while ago uh but yeah uh yeah i'd say it's a decent song provided i'm able to strip a lot of personal history away from it Let me put it this way: If Motley Crue had done that song, I think it was great. What do you guys think about the original Blacklist when uh, Snoop Dogg covered "Sad But True"? Oh crap! I haven't heard that. I haven't heard. No, it. no, come on. Homework for you guys. Check it out. It's much better than any of the Blacklisted songs. Personal opinion. Anyways, let's move on. So wait, Ravi, what did you rate it as? I read. I think it's an A. It's a decent song. Um, you know. if mm. i was to strip away the emotional feelings that i have about it if i analyze it purely on the basis of the riff the riff is fantastic yeah. i mean it does get old towards the end it needn't have gone on for six freaking minutes but you know it's a it's a fairly decent riff also interestingly enough uh, when uh, Uh, i think it was universal music or polygram i don't remember what the company was called now when they released the album they actually cut out a whole a whole set of you know intros to songs and stuff like that the sitar intro to wherever i may roam gone the intro to sad but true gone so basically they just had a 60 minute tape and they just wanted to cram this into that so you know uh, they were fucking hell so <laughs> yeah. what what was it like the first time you heard the Sad but true, original. Yeah, like the first I, time I heard the the first time I heard the sitar intro on the wherever I may roam video, I was like, "What the hell is this? Did these guys <laughs> record this specifically for the video?" And then a friend of mine had a pirated tape of Metallica, and that was the full album. So you know, it just uh, gives you some insight into why a lot of us in India were very very suspicious about even licensed in. officially licensed products because you know we were being ripped off uh coming and going so yeah and sounds like grounds to sue honestly but yeah <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> like the okay cool so yeah all is for what we've all now also called an average song so sad <laughs> but true <laughs> <laughs> you know it's <laughs> <laughs> anyways wow okay Metallica is doing pretty well so far so let's see whether the hat trick actually happens or not on song number 3 which is holier than thou Ravi oh, this one i really like i mean it's it's one of the few songs that shows some kind of a glimmer of the metallica that used to be i think this one and through the never are probably the only kind of throwbacks to the band that they once were 
uh, again, if uh, holier and thou are, uh, you know, uh, through the never had been on uh, and justice for all or something like that, it would have felt like a bit of a B-side. But considering the context of the rest of the album, I think Holier Than Thou is an A song. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It's short, it's fast, it's punchy. So yeah, I like that song a good deal. Yeah, it's it's absolutely the same view that I have too. It's, the song seems to be here only to remind the OG fan that don't worry, the old Metallica still exists. And yes, this song could have easily found a place on um, even Ride the Lightning or Master of the Puppets too. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be one of the more popular songs, but hey, it deserved the place there. Uh, this is old school Metallica coming up. So yeah, for me, it's an A2. Anurag? Yeah, and I mean, for me, it was uh, like, uh, say, think what you will of this, but it was the first time I was finding out about the phrase earlier than now. So I think like lyrically, it was quite a, quite a revelation that way. Or just, you know, like it made me look up stuff and just be like, okay, you know, like this is what it means to say earlier than now and stuff like that. So um, that way is nice. And yeah, like, uh, like like both you and Ravi said, like it was it was very much that trash metal song that uh, yeah like that everybody probably wanted uh, two songs down into this album and yeah Metallica delivered for sure like they delivered quite well and I think they seem to it's quite evident that they have fun on this like you know it's it's it it definitely sounds like that so yeah it's it's an A for me uh, what about you Peter yeah same like i was actually surprised and that's the thing right when you listen to the track sequentially you're like wait why did they put this at number 3 right uh, this should have kind of come up or like animesh was saying earlier right you have those thrashy numbers uh, that metallica is kind of known for why did they put this in there but here's a thought guys so by the way it's an a for me also cuz i really enjoyed like the guitars and don't kill me ravi i actually like the solo <laughs> I don't remember the solo too distinctly. So. <laughs> Same, even I don't remember the solo. But, but but here's the thing. I was just thinking while I was reading through the lyrics, right? This is kind of like prophesying about Dave Mustaine, right? Because he It wasn't a prophecy. Became... It had already started, dude. No, uh... in terms of he became holy, right? Because he became like all oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this oh, is like boy, they, already, they already kind of knew like all these years later that he's going to be holier than now. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I had to throw this in. one of the most insightful observations you ever had on the pod. That's amazing. That's saying something. <laughs> Guys, I, I love how it's a backhanded compliment. It's not a backhanded compliment. That's generally I, I meant, I meant, I meant animation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to stoke the fires here, man. Yeah. And if you don't like it, well, whatever. You can dub me the Unforgiven, which is song number four. Oh, the next man. song that follows. Wow, what a segue, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Bye. Okay, so my take on it is uh, I'm reading this one A+. Uh, by now, the world knows what to expect from the fourth or fifth song in a Metallica album. We've already heard Fade to Black. We've already heard Sanitarium. So they've done this kind of a song before. But the Unforgiven, it kind of... I think it showed off a maturity that we haven't seen before. It's also, I think, by far one of the most emotive songs uh, ever. And uh, overall, just as a piece of music and as a piece of songwriting, it's it's excellent. There's no way you can fault this particular rendition or the original composition uh, at all. So for me, it's a straight up A+, plus, first A+, plus for me on this album. Uh, Ravi. 
Oh yeah, I mean, A with pluses extending into infinity. It's uh, the last Metallica song that I liked, frankly. Uh, you know, it's it's just an incredible song. Uh, what's very, very interesting about it is the fact that, you know, in all the previous songs, they had the kind of, you know, brooding power ballady segment for want of a better way of putting it, which segued into the heavy segment. Whereas over here, it kind of it was light and day, you know, uh, you had the heavy bits that were kind of force-fitted into the actual song structure. And then, you know, you had the chorus that was really mellow. The guitar lead is outstanding. I think there's this brilliant video that was doing the rounds in which Bob Rock is really taking Kirk Hammett to task for not playing properly on it. And, you know, he tells him something like, stop making excuses. This is a great song from James. And I wish he'd done that with all the guitar lead on the album, but well, I guess... <laughs> there's only that much he can do. There's only so much. <laughs> probably, he probably told Kirk Hammett, uh, you know what? I don't need Vava from you. I need Vava from the fucking pedal. <laughs> <laughs> or imagine if he said that, hey, Mustaine would have played this better. <laughs> Boom. Like, <laughs> or, or he went, uh, or he, or he went and said that, hey, no, man. Uh, you, you, I need Vava's like how Indians say Vava, not like how you fucking say Vava. <laughs> Anumesh is on a roll with this. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Okay, so, Anurag, cool. what, what do you think of this song? Yeah, I know. I, uh, like, like you said about the chorus, like I, I really like, yeah, agree with what you said on the chorus. It's mellow and like you just don't really expect that from uh, like even from, from like a metal band, right? Like when does, how often does a metal band say, you know, the chorus were going to be mellow like you know other parts i can understand so yeah like uh, for me like when they just it sort of uh dips into that space uh like uh in the song yeah like it really stuck out stuck out for me in that sense um and that's that i think that's obviously again a chorus is what stays with you at the end of it so yeah like they definitely did that right and and just for that you know like actually and just the way the whole song has been written and structured and uh you know like six and a half minutes right so it's uh yeah it's quite a trip so yeah it was it was a plus for me what about you um peter same man i mean i think like something with the unforgiven is that everyone has their own kind of interpretations right and when you listen to it as like an angsty young teenager and all Sometimes it's that your former friend can be the unforgiven. And then later, once you grow up, uh, it can be, you know, an ex-girlfriend. I don't know, whatever. It can, it can take so much for you, right? Uh, and, and when you listen back to it, you know, much older, you have those memories attached to it more than anything else. But uh, I agree with all of you, man. It's an A-plus song. It's something that I don't think anyone expected Metallica to release, right? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, Ravi. You you heard, like, Master of Puppets around the same time. So oh, yeah. I, I mean, other... I think I like to think of it as Metallica's swan song for themselves. You know, if you think about even the lyrics, the lyrics are essentially about how you come in as new blood, then you get subdued, then you become the tired old man who no longer cares, which I think they'd kind of become by that stage. So I think it was them writing the song about themselves. Oh, and we have to talk about the video. The video was mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, again, uh, at the point I saw it, 1992 or something like that, I hadn't seen images like that. And it was so yeah. scary and so, you know, 
are powerful. The kid dragging the chair around, uh, you know, the digging, it was fabulous. Yeah, it, it, it's nuts, dude. And like, again, I watched it like probably a day, yeah, most probably a decade later, right? And it had that same impact on me. And I'm pretty sure the thing about the song and the video also is that in 2021, someone's probably watching it and having the same impact, right? So that that just tells you how fucking great the song is. Okay, Peter. So while we are on this topic, I just have to ask you, considering what you said, have you used The Unforgiven as a breakup love song? Of course. It wasn't really? that kind of obvious. That, that was like, it, it was always, I mean, see, that's the thing. Right? I'm trying to imagine now. No, wait. <laughs> because you did The Unforgiven. Come on, man. <laughs> No, no, no. Okay, I so, love the unforgiven, actually. It's not you did the unforgiven. No, I know. You make that up. <laughs> no, no, that, that's fine. No, I'm not. See, full full respect to you. What I'm trying to imagine is um, because this is this is this for me is new is new information, right? I never thought Metallica's Unforgiven could be used as a breakup, as a breakup song. Okay. Which then leads me to to ask, do you think this was calculated to be a breakup song at some point in time? Like, do you think the Talika boys came together and said, or Bob Rock came to them and said that, hey, you know what this album really needs? It just doesn't need a song like Nothing Else Matters, but it also needs a song which can be used as a breakup song. So you have to write something like The Unforgiven. I, I'm, I'm, I, I wish like uh, Metallica had the access to the data that they now do, right? Because they use that, uh, I think on Spotify or something I'd read to kind of program their set list. But we're talking 1991. Probably, Paul, you know, one of them or one of their friends went through something or I don't know. I mean, maybe so a roadie or something. You never know, man. Yeah. What I really want to know is how, how did the girl uh, take this? Uh, you know, did, did you go did up to her and go like you that? label me and I'll label you? I love I love how this has suddenly become about like <laughs> Peter at 18 years old. Oh my god, like way to way to bring up my like <laughs> repressed okay, memories, okay, guys. Fine, fine. <laughs> no, no, that. no. Of, of course not. Like I don't think I ever told her that. Oh, this was just something you thought to yourself. Obviously, I mean, oh, and, okay. and that's the thing, right? You, you're yeah, the bro- that's, that's bro- how we use music, man. Yeah, I mean, what else do kids do? They only like keep it all inside, no? <laughs> I mean, like, come on, come on. Uh, otherwise, it, the only the would you prefer if it's like I tried so hard and got so far? <laughs> <laughs> that that's the that was the next better alternative in that time, right? <laughs> Damn. Hmm. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I give you. I give you full, 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 full credit on that one. Good use of the song, The Unforgiven. So let's move on to track number five, wherever I may roam. Let's get the uh, elephant out of the room or the cat out of the bag or whatever, and just say that, um, just like every other Indian heavy metal fan, the first take for the song has to be about that introduction. But once you get that out of the way. Uh, I think the song is fucking such a stomper. It's the elephant of this album. It's slow, steady, strong. It marches to its own beat. And just like an elephant, a strong elephant, find you, uh, in the jungle, it's absolutely unfuckwithable. I really enjoy wherever I may roam. For me, this is the second A plus on this album. Anurag. Yeah, man, this is also an A plus for me because 
uh, I heard it a, f- a few songs later in, in uh, you know, like the Metallica album, just, you know, in terms of discovering this album, songs from this album and discovering Metallica, so to speak. So, yeah, like when I heard it uh, and in, in the context of this album, it just feels like, um, like just another thing that Metallica did to uh, sort of, I guess, push, uh, to use a cliche, to push the envelope, I suppose, like, I mean, to just um, sound a little more diverse, and we we don't know how, like, you know, it de- definitely doesn't sound forced, of course, like, it's, it sounds quite brilliant that way, like, the fact that they didn't force any of this stuff, um, so yeah, that, that way, like, start to finish, it's it's just, it just sticks with you almost instantly, so it's an A+. Plus. Um, what about you, Ravi? Oh, I can't stand this song, I think it's... <laughs> Uh, the guitar solo is lamentable, of course, but even the lyrics, they're so butt-rocky, you know. I mean, uh, one of my least favorite animated songs is Wasted Years, which is a slightly more eloquent uh, testament to a life on the road, etc., etc. But this was just straight-up butt-rock, and it was just awful. Can't stand the song. I'd give it a D. My God, I now I want to like suddenly do a separate segue on why do you hate Wasted Years, man? <laughs> oh, I really get it, man. Wasted Years lyrically is is very mediocre. It's the music that stands out. Yeah, actually, I don't like the music uh, either there. Uh, I mean, we should probably do somewhere in time at some point in time. But, you know, you have come somewhere in time and you have Wasted Years. And then I think you have uh, uh, this one, right? Seas of Madness, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I remember the song after that is completely badass. And it's like, oh, God, I got to sit through wasted years to get to that. Oh. So, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, we, uh, to continue, wherever I may roam, Peter, go. <laughs> because I, I I knew this point is going to come where you and I find tracks absolutely the opposite. And this is one of them. I, I was expecting it. But I mean, like the opening riff, the main riff and all of that, that's what I really enjoy. But this is the point in the album where you're like, could this song be shorter? So maybe the yes. whoever 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 took the call on like reducing the length, right, did a good thing. Did did is that is this no, one we, of the songs that the you part, heard? But the sad part of it is they kept they cut the sitar intro, which was genuinely good, but they kept yeah. the awful wah wah pedal guitar solo outro. Now, if they'd cut that, I'd have been a I'd have been happy as a clam. It would have probably been an A for me, but you know. <laughs> So uh, this is part of the thing towards the end. Good God, makes me want to shoot myself. <laughs> so this tells you that the guy who is like listen, kind of sitting on the chopping board and editing this stuff didn't know what the fuck he was doing. But uh, yeah, th- this is a name for me. Okay, uh, if wherever I may roam had been released by Metallica, say twenty years or thirty years down the line, do you think? Uh, they would have been cancelled because it would be deemed cultural appropriation. No, and I mean, it sounds like, you know, it could just be one of those things that, uh, like anyway, at least, uh, well, say 20 years online, which is 2010 or something, let's say that. Yeah, like, I think it's still going on quite on a widespread level, man. Nobody's getting cancelled for anything. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. actually, you're right. uh, Because, yeah, sorry, uh, but if if it's if it's if it's 2011 2010 then then this would have been a song that's been generated because metallica needs to reach the indian audience just like every other american global mnc it needs to tap into the next million yeah. <laughs> uh, it would have been cultural appropriation if 
they'd had a video in which Kirk Abbott's playing a sitar and the rest of it was them playing holy or something like that ridiculous Coldplay video from a while back. Oh my God. <laughs> Why? Why do you have to bring up such memories, Ravi? Oh, but Metallica playing holy, that should be cool, man. Yeah, holier than thou. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Okay, I'll leave it at that then. Let's move on to song number six. It's the beginning of the second half of the album. Well, no, actually not quite. It's actually the ending of I the think first half the, of the uh, album. It, it was the yeah. last song on side A. Yes, which is Don't Treat On Me. I'm going to begin here. This is my first B for this album. To me, this is Lars getting wind of the fact that, uh, you know, there's this band called Pantera. And uh, this is what they've been up to. Cowboys From Hell was this album that was being released a year ago. And there's something to the sound. So... Lars takes it to James and he says like, uh, hey, James, uh, do you want to try and play this kind of a song? And James goes, yeah, this is the result of what, what would happen if Metallica decided to uh, take on Pantera. Yeah, it's a fucking stupid song. It's a B all the way. Peter. I, I can already feel the hate coming in from Ravi, but I'm going to say this really quickly. I give it a B plus only for the solo that comes towards the end. <laughs> Ravi, do you have anything to say on that? Oh yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think uh, "Don't Tread on Me" is quite interesting because you know uh, it's almost like uh, hitting you over the head for having uh, evaluated wherever I may roam poorly. If you evaluated wherever I may roam poorly, it's like, oh, you thought that was butt rock? Listen to this. This is butt rock. It is complete and total butt rock. It's essentially, I think, uh, I think all of Five Finger Death Punch were probably conceived with when their parents were making love to the song in the background. Oh my god! I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you points for that. The most bullheaded, yeah. dumb, idiotic song on earth. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you'd have uh, expected uh, somebody like maybe, you know, Ted Nugent to do, who also did a song called Don't Tread, which, by the way, kicks the ass of this song. Uh, but, you know, it's just incredibly obnoxious and stupid. Uh, up until that point, you know, people used to call Metallica thinking man's heavy metal due to, you know, the time changes and the lyrical depth and what have you. But this is like the unthinking man's heavy metal. This is basically a caveman clubbing himself. Oh, don't trade on me. But so I have to ask you this question at this point. Do you think Metallica consciously kind of like were like, no, we have to reach the masses. We have to oh, dumb ourselves down. Of course, this was basically, uh, you know, it, it was like uh, if uh, wherever I may roam was uh, uh, according to animation's story or rather fictional reimagining their attempt at cornering the Asian market. This was their attempt at, uh, you know, hitting the Ozarks and redneck country. Why so. do you think I? Why, why do you think I made up that story about Metallica listening to and <laughs> wanting to emulate Pantera? <laughs> oh yeah, I kind of missed the subtlety of that point. I'm sorry, Ravi. What's your grade? Oh, D. Absolutely. <laughs> Is D the lowest grade we have? Can we go down to a Z or something? But, Whatever you want to, man. D. Okay. Cool. Anurag. Yeah, for, for me also, it's probably just like a B at best and maybe a D if, if we're just, you know, yeah, trying to 
uh, put it in context of the album because it's just more like the only thing uh, I suppose uh, people take away from it is that it's sort of like a fuck you kind of song and uh, but unfortunately like it's it's a very dumbed down kind of fuck you song you know so it's like it's like <laughs> something that like a school bully would like just you know where like somebody says you shut up and be like no you shut up you know like it's it's basically that level of arguments uh, as far as it goes and I, I recently found out that it's used by a lot of <laughs> Uh, uh like i think uh, i think it's used in like it's used by a lot of us marine corps kind of people and like right wingers in general basically have sort of co-opted this song in the us right now so uh, i'm not at all surprised and uh, yeah i guess that's on uh, that's on metallica's conscience i guess <laughs> definitely and i also have to say the most hilarious part of the song is actually uh, in the very first few opening bars which is that annoying and stupid fuck that melody that kicks in which was supposed to be maybe I don't know what's I don't know why that piece exists it seems like an outtake completely it doesn't set up the song doesn't do anything like what the fuck was happening here anyways yay so this is see I'm so happy that finally we got a round of non-A's take that fucking Metallica that meant yeah for us at least not for James Okay, cool. So let's move on to the first song, which will be the sec- first song of the second half of the album as such, Through the Never. Peter, start this one off. I, I've given it uh, A. And uh, I, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed the lyrics of it. And I mean, like for me, this is the personal thing, right? Where you kind of like get read lyrics like so quick to s- criticize and all of that. And... I think it's the same thing like I talked about Unforgiven. So guys, please don't bring back repressed memories. Warning you here. But it, it just listening back to the songs, bring back all those memories and just what I was going through then. So yeah, that's A. Who wants to go next? I know Ravi is looking at me all judging. So go for it, Ravi. <laughs> Okay, I mean, uh, I, I didn't mind through the never. I thought the riff was slightly undefined and Bhangra-esque for some reason. That na 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 You know, it wasn't the greatest riff Metallica have ever played by a long shot. However, it had a certain pace and, you know, vigor to it. It felt like a band that was being played by a band with a pulse. I don't mind it at all. I wouldn't go so far as to give it an A. I'd say it's a B. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, but, uh, Anurag, let's hear you talk about Through the Never. Yeah, sure, man. I mean, uh, like, I agree with what, what you said, basically. Like, uh, you know, it, that, that opening riff just, like, um, like, it made me sit up and take notice in that way, but not necessarily in a good way, you know? Like, uh, it's more of, like, you know, what, what's going on here kind of way, you know, where you just sort of shift your eyes and be like, something's not right. Or at least something feels like it's it's not right. Um, But at the same time, you know, yeah, like it was, it was still more, it was a heavier song than I guess so far. Like, I guess uh, it was, it was heavier in, in the right way, I feel for, for Metallica. So for me, that that's why, like, I guess I would give it like maybe a B plus, maybe an A, but yeah, probably B plus, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, animation. Mm, okay, so I I really don't like this song doesn't evoke anything as such from me. Um, it's I don't have any complaints to it either. It's not their strongest song. It's not their weakest song. I found the chorus a bit annoying, but that's about it. It doesn't really 
it doesn't really evoke any kind of a strong or negative reaction for me so i'll grade this a b it's an average metallica song but it's but it's still using like it's not using their best material ever yeah i think like this... yeah it's it's just it's just mediocre for a metallica song that yeah, said it's still a good song but yeah hmm. Yeah, no, and I remember that like Truth and Never was part of some um, promotions uh, later on, right? Like, wasn't it a, uh, was it a live DVD? Yeah, I was going to talk about yeah, that. It became the so... name of their, uh, the, the, the movie which they did, which was actually a concert in disguise. <laughs> yeah, so it was supposed to be some kind of a high concept concert film, which also had some kind of a narrative going about some dude being kidnapped. Uh, why do you think they used this song in particular as the title for that exercise? It was apparently a commercial disaster and they just lost money hand over fist making that because they filmed it in 3D and did God knows what else. And, you know, it production-wise, through the never was a was 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 a beast like i mean in the, in the time it uh, when it was released and even the concert itself and the album that came off it and the movie also i haven't seen the movie fully but i've seen various clips of it i think what they pulled off was something that heavy metal wasn't ready for because you'd have to like who would financially back such kind of a project if it ever was to become the de facto norm there was nobody other than metallica who could have done that so i'll give full credit for for the uh, for for metallica and pulling that that off but through the never was i think the best title they could have chosen for it because uh, if you do that you are basically not going to do it ever again at least for that time and maybe they knew that which is why they chose through the never i'm trying to imagine like what else would you call that i disappear about the money i disappear <laughs> already had has too much on it right so <laughs> it has to be one of the least the, the lesser uh, metallica songs that's not very high profile <laughs> my friend of misery they could have called it that <laughs> <laughs> that's catering to a very different market altogether <laughs> okay yeah. whatever yeah eh. it's eh. <laughs> cool uh let's move on to song number 8 and this is this is a song that yeah wow it needs to be talked about right because it's it's nothing else matters right uh i just have to say this um i'm grading the song an a okay this song is the song that all your non heavy metal listening friends will grudgingly allow you to play when they see you sulking in a corner after being subject to 2 hours of pop and party music at a house party and you know what you'll take it and you'll make it and you'll have that casual chat with somebody who's uh, okay enough to listen to you about just how good metallica are and probably you'll also get them to do an air guitar and raise the horns up when james plays that fantastic solo um it's also the song that almost every heavy metal fan plays within the first 5 minutes of getting a uh, getting handed a guitar uh, at this point in time it's an iconic song um does it does it get overplayed is it overused have am i tired of listening to it probably but while it's playing i'm really looking forward to that guitar solo coming in so that's why for me at least it's an a anurag what about you yeah man for me for me it's an a as well uh, i think 
generally like uh, this this was the song that proved that metallica could write a ballad i guess uh, uh and i guess that they, they could write a ballad that that you know could go on radio or something like that basically um and i think they they did it well in in that sense uh that you know like it's it wasn't necessary at least to me it didn't feel it was pandering so yeah like mm. i felt like they they walked quite a tightrope that way and yeah i mean you're never going to make everybody happy and uh, rightly so like not everybody was happy with the song for sure and uh, i think this was a song that yeah like in fact caused a lot of <laughs> uh, people to just be like what the fuck is this so um yeah um uh, but but apart from that like i still remember even listening to the snm version which is absolutely excellent like think of every time i hear it, it just gives me like goose flesh just like seeing how it was um carried off and yeah like you said even the solo and stuff so um yeah yeah it's a a, a plus from me uh what about you ravi oh i i actually really like the guitar lead the last guitar lead uh, that is i think it's one of the songs that's the weirdly enough has one of the best and one of the worst metallica guitar leads this uh lead ish bit that they kind of play before that which literally goes pling chong pling chong pling chong and i'm like good god this is like a lullaby or something like that you know i mean uh i think now of course there are these popular lullaby versions of heavy metal but if you ask me metallica predated that trend with that guitar lead on uh, nothing else matters i think the uh second guitar lead the one that uh, james plays is fantastic it's a great argument for Metallica to be a band where the guitar lead playing is split right down the middle between James and uh, Kirk because James obviously has better ideas as for the song I couldn't stand it uh, as for the video I couldn't stand it you know uh, the video had these guys generally uh, throwing darts at Winger who I think you know at least as far as guitar leads are concerned run rings around Metallica uh, uh, I think Red Beach once said this and got trolled like hell on blabbermouth for saying it but it is true i mean red beach can play half asleep what uh kirk hammett would probably have to you know take play after like infinite shots of coffee or something like that so yeah i can't stand the song i like the guitar lead i'll split the difference and give it a b wait ravi gave nothing else matters a b yeah okay, because gonna... i really like the outro guitar lead fair enough so i'll i'll start off with the story for this and this tells you how timeless nothing else matters is so my son is at uh, kindergarten lower kindergarten and his teacher learns guitar so i happened to go pick up some stuff for his school in there and the guitar instructor was there and i just happened to be passing by and lo behold guess what riff the guitar instructor was teaching my son's teacher the opening to nothing else matters because Easiest 30 years later yeah no it, it every is. guitar like i think i'm pretty sure you animations you play guitar and for the non guitar guys being anurag ravi and me we aim we like yeah we want to play that's a riff that everybody knows and here's it's someone who is not to a teach somebody uh, the power hmm. of guitar and and get them to feel like holy shit i can do this because it literally involves plucking four strings of a properly tuned guitar that's it there's no other effort it's it, that is genius that is genius yeah when uh, just for the fact that man like i'm i'm just trying to think like you know 
my my son's teacher will know metallica but not really know metallica if you know what i mean <laughs> but uh, yeah man i mean like i think the song is timeless and i absolutely refuse to listen to anyone who kind of like covers it especially i haven't heard the who did the blacklist one i hope i've oh there was a horrible yo yo ma cover there was i think uh, it was uh, elton miley cyrus, cyrus did it right? miley cyrus and yo yo ma yo yo ma plays an outro to it and while i've heard a lot of uh, uh, not a lot of his stuff but i've heard some of his stuff and it's been good this was yo yo ma i think really slumming it uh, it sounded like the outro violin piece to uh, chura ke dil mera goria chali you know that unnecessarily poignant <laughs> kind of violin outro. it was terrible listen i think that that for me so i did here i made the mistake of listening to that cover and i think that set up my entire thing of disappointment for the blacklist so yeah but you know metallica 30 years later thank you for writing the song i give you an a plus <laughs> mm, interesting okay cool uh mixed opinions about that song even though it's probably the most popular song by metallica weirdly enough right but that's how time works uh sad but true whatever uh let's move on to the next song uh which is of wolf and man um if i could i would give this song two ratings right the album version i rated a b because it's it's okay it's okay like the subject matter school but that's about it the live version however especially from when jason newstead was with the band that deserves a freaking plus but yeah we are not judging the live version so for me this song at the moment is a b but you guys know why i'm saying that the live version deserves an a plus right because fuck yeah jason newstead pulling off those backing vocals and getting the crowd to do everything and making the song the giving the song the energy it actually deserved fucking wonderful job uh, anurag what about you um yeah man like uh, for me like i heard some similarities with enter sandman i don't know how intentional or unintentional that was but some of the uh, call and response sort of thing going on there seemed like that and um and like like what you mentioned about like just the live version i mean not so much uh, yeah like i suppose the production and stuff was as good as it can be for for that time but i suppose if it was made today for example like it would be the ready you know ready for arena sort of like song basically but uh, none of that takes away from the fact that it doesn't really do much and it doesn't really uh, yeah it doesn't really say much either so for for me it's uh, it's a b what about uh, you peter clearly this there's a reason why this song is on the b side of the album right okay. it's, it's like at, at this point like i wish we, at the end we could do like which songs we would leave out in our optimal or ideal uh, black album and this would be one of the songs this is cuz like i gave it a b plus cuz it like you have that guitars that's the thing i think you see uh, you know in similar to enter sandman but and then i'm sure i'm waiting for ravi to comment on the solo because there's that in there and at this point they kind of like you know it's how do i say it becomes formulaic you know like after a certain point that ha there's a solo coming uh, in there so yeah that's about it for me uh, on a full song man ravi yeah i mean i completely agree with you i think uh, of wolf and man signals the start of the absolute filler segment of the album uh, i think all those songs could have 
been comfortably left off and you know there'd have been nobody going to the stores and demanding their money back uh of wolf and man is absolute third tire filler stuff it's essentially one of the uh, you know downsides of the cd era where you could now have a 60 minute album or a 70 minute album comfortably and you didn't have to prune things down to a tight 45 48 minutes which you used to be doing when lps were like the dominant delivery format and yeah it's just bloated it's unnecessary the shake shea wo hea thing gets on my nerves uh, yeah completely terrible song i'd give it a d so let's see where that leads us to because song number 10 is the god that failed uh anurag take this one off like again like um i i don't know if i was just hearing stuff by this point but then like you know the same way where i heard something similar in of wolf of man enter sandman like even in this like i could sense like that that slower pace and like a groovier sort of thing was again like probably similar to pantera a little bit and then like you know uh kind of reminded me of sad but true like a little earlier on and stuff i have to button at this point because i have to say just to build from where you're from where you uh, where you started off from um lyrically got the god that failed is amazing musically not that much this song to me is part of the continued hazing of jason newstead by the band because last probably heard megadeth's dawn patrol have you guys heard megadeth's dawn patrol yeah okay. and he went to then lars goes to james i don't know why all of my stories have lars first hearing something and then saying and then going to because james he's james. he's he's the evil one right he's <laughs> lars and then james obviously says yeah let's make a song that's better than don patrol but we'll keep to the same idea and then they went and uh, found jason and jason's probably like practicing his ass off but they went and told jason that hey you have to play don patrol but just don't make it sound like don patrol and we're going to come and fuck around with the song later and i don't know what the end of the story is but that's basically where i've reached till this point in time but uh you should try to understand this exactly right yeah uh anurag <laughs> the making uh, of the black album the apocryphal <laughs> making of the black album <laughs> each chapter begins with lars listening to something and going to james and go like hey james and james goes, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it become a set routine but i'm guessing that's where you uh, anurag uh, you know the comparison to pantera i get that but the like this has stuck with me ever since the first time i heard this song that dude this is don patrol but just done in a metallica way <laughs> man yeah it's it's just um yeah man like uh, so so at this point basically in an album like this which is has so far you know like as you know like it is more or less sort of not faltered too much but like then when you hear this and especially after you know like a full fun man or something like that like then you yeah then you just start to feel like okay you know like this is this is the part where where they just all pretty much like either repeating themselves or not offering anything new so yeah for me that's that's a c basically what about you ravi Oh yeah I mean uh, it's definitely coasting what's interesting though is the fact that uh, I think the lyrics probably had a huge resonance for uh, a headfield because I think the god that failed and you know uh, when you start talking about the lyrics anime she just did a quick dive into uh, uh, you know what they were because I didn't remember them off the cuff 
and it definitely ties into his very uh, complicated kind of feelings about Christian science. His parents were Christian scientists and Christian scientists essentially believe that, uh, you know, there's no need to, you know, get into any kind of medicine because God will provide and heal and stuff like that. And I think James lost his mother when he was fairly young. And this song seems to talk about that. So yeah, lyrically, it's a very, very um, interesting kind of song. Uh, musically, not at all. Uh, I'd give it an A for the lyrics and a D for everything um, else. Uh, interestingly enough, there seem to be a lot of heavy metal, hard rock people who've been traumatized by Christian science. Uh, Miles Kennedy's uh, first solo album, Year of the Tiger, is essentially about him losing his father because his dad was a Christian scientist and his, you know, uh, entire struggle to kind of cope with that. So what's your final grade then? Yeah, probably I'll split the difference between the A and the D and give it a C. Hmm. Yeah, so since I already spoke about this, I'll just round off and say that it's only the lyrics that bump up the song to a B for me. Musically, it's not that interesting. I've heard Don Patrol, that's better. <laughs> so for me, I give it a B. Yeah, Peter, finish this one off. And so, like, if this is just like probably done, like, I don't know we were talking about this like say 15 years ago or something like that i would have like been in the same thing but then uh, the lyrics really resonate with me and uh, i can actually kind of know what james sings or why he kind of wrote it so yeah it, it's it's not an easy listen for me like i know exactly what he's talking about and what he kind of goes through and uh, for for me it's like wow this this is something that he wrote in like 1991 I went through the exact same thing in 2008 and uh, listening to it was not easy, but then, you know, that's what music does to you, right? It kind of helps you cope through certain things. Uh, while, while we could laugh about uh, The Unforgiven, I can't really uh, do that for this song. But uh, yeah, man, it's, it's hard to rate this song because like, it, it could have been like me if I was a musician writing something like this. And that would have been my only way of coping. But uh, yeah, man, I'd, I'd say just A, because like when, when I read the lyrics and I go through it, it it's, it's the same. It's exact. I know what I know the, that exact feeling. And it's not. It's, it's like it's coming from a place of like hopelessness, if nothing else. So yeah, that's my take on it. Full respect there, man. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And Which, if I make, make a recommendation, if you like, or if you resonate with God That Failed, you'll absolutely love Year of the Tiger. Get around to hearing it. It's amazing. It's fantastic. That's the Miles Kennedy solo album. Mostly acoustic. Yeah. All great. And I need to check that one out. Cool. So on that somber note, let's move on to the penultimate track, which is My Friend of Misery, which uh, to me is like, if the God that failed is the hazing of Jason Newstead, then this song is Jason Newstead finally being accepted by Metallica, but up to a point, right? They go like, yeah, well, okay, now you are part of the band, but you're not really part of the band, if you know what I mean. Because this song apparently began life with the intention of being an instrumental and was supposed to be, you know, just like Tulu or Orion or even To Live Is To Die, it was supposed to be the instrumental to this album. But then somebody came and said that, no, man, we should, uh, try and make this a song. It should have stayed an instrumental. 
because as an instrumental the fabulous bass part and the and the bass and bar doodle as such is the only part of the song where Kirk Hammond actually manages to matter so yeah for me I, i'm i'm rating this one as an a because i really love playing the song too but don't you always think could this be shorter like that's what i don't know why like a lot of but times it should have been this should have been an instrumental and as an instrumental only this song would have ruled as like take away all the vocals take away the lyrics that the song doesn't require them you have a beautiful riff uh, you have it progressing it can be built into so much more it needn't have been maybe boss the wall heavy or fast as uh, any mm. other metallica instrumental it could have been a perfectly heavy slow doomy kind of a song too but leave it as an instrumental wait is this the first i just realized is this the first metallica album that they don't have an instrumental on it yeah kind of i mean to live is to die has that poem at the end of it so it doesn't cat like it's not an instrumental instrumental purely uh, in that exactly sense of the it is i know yeah. even kill em all doesn't have an instrumental track on it it does Oh, the the solo anesthesia. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, who's going next? My friend of misery for me, it's Ani. Come on, support me uh, or detract who? me. Uh, Don't you think it's? Uh, I mean, I feel it's a very on the nose song written to Dave Mustaine. Again, I was just checking <laughs> the lyrics, and you know, it's essentially uh, Metallica. I mean, I think it's Metallica's this track, if you will. Uh, you just stood there screaming, fearing no one was listening to you. They say the empty can rattles the most. The sound of your oh voice. Oh my God! Yeah. Hearing only what you want to hear and knowing only what you've heard, you're smothered in tragedy and you're up to save the world. Yeah. So you know, I, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's uh, essentially then kind of. dismissing dave mustaine and song cuz yeah it definitely feels that way uh having said that i don't like the song at all i think there's more wapedal abuse on this one song uh than there has been on the entire album and it's like what nauseating so yeah d anurag Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I, I really uh, like this song every time I revisit it. But I think I haven't revisited it enough. Clearly, like considering, like you know, the way you guys have uh, sort of dissected it right now. But yeah, like I mean, I, I usually, uh, I think most again, like within the context of the album, like it sounds like you know, like it sort of, uh, it, it, it was going down a bit, and then like it suddenly, like you know, sort of fought for life a little bit i guess in a way so uh, that i felt like that's what my friend of misery was like on this album like it's a little more um yeah but but i do agree that they've tried to force fit like a lot of elements into it like you know like uh, just just in terms of like to stay with i guess where metallica was in 1991 they've tried to like force fit a lot of stuff which just doesn't make sense but uh, yeah sonically like i'm i'm still down for it so uh, i i would be grudgingly reluctantly give it a knee so yeah what 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 do you peter i i have it as a b plus and only if i could make my like my own edit like for sure i know if ravi and i sit and kind of like edit this we'll take out the wahs or there's certain things but like yeah. i felt like as as yeah, it, when you put the, the like, time in 6 minutes 49 seconds dude i mean what the hell No, but then think about it in this manner, right? Like, what's what's what what sounds worse on this particular song? Is it the lyrics and the 
the the vocals uh because that to me completely sucks out the whole energy of whatever was yeah. going on musically and yeah, also, yeah. you you I leave the why elements over there this is the only song on which kirk hammer is using the why pedal intelligently uh, i don't think so actually <laughs> actively hate this solo and if you go with my theory of a it being a bad solo and b it being a distract to uh you know dave mustaine it's like see we have a guitarist who plays this horrible guitar solo and we've made four albums with him and zero with you dave that's how much we hate you yeah <laughs> and, and, I mean, like, and yeah and it also does the job of basically telling jason you said hey you're not still in the band <laughs> <laughs> no but i'm just thinking like 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 when i'm thinking of it like you take off the lyrics right i would but then do i want to listen to like 7 minutes of it at the end of like an album right which is almost an hour long like that's when it's played that, live that... when it's played live hmm. i don't think my friend of misery has ever played live in entirety they just start with the bass let the guitar come in and then they move on to another song <laughs> like like basically what pdv used to do with uh, blind like the start of that part and no, it's always it. i mean i mean even on 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 live shit binge and purge and even on the uh, the the i'm forgetting which uh, the next big dvd or whatever the video recording of their concert in which all of them had cut their hair um this was always used as bass doodle uh it wasn't ever used as my friend of misery yeah uh, i'm a huge jason newstead fan so for me this song is special but yeah i completely get why it's why it's not considered a good enough metallica song because yeah it, it is not that good enough of a song as a song anyways that leads us to the last song which is the struggle within um uh, what's the reason for this song to end the album i have no fucking idea uh that's my exact like why Metallica song this song is a b for me <laughs> i yeah, i'm going to quickly chime in oh, i'm yeah, going to go quickly ahead. chime in and say like it's a b plus and like i it's like you know now it's a recurring trend trend towards the last 3 4 songs you're just like wondering why they have it on this album like i'm just wondering like if you took all these songs and put it on another metallica album whether it would have worked right that that's how i'm thinking none of the metallica what, what, what albums you... up to this point would have a song like the struggle with them <laughs> ravi what what do you say oh completely forgettable and you know i mean uh, the the interesting thing about the other songs is they have elements that make you remember them whether you remember it you know happily or whether you remember it from a point of view of oh my god that sucked you know mm-hmm. it's at least memorable uh, the struggle within is essentially complete sonic wallpaper you know it's just random noises made to wind down a cd and push it over the 60 minute mark so i don't know for what reason yeah yeah so, man i mean i i, I don't get it. like i mean uh, considering bob rock and just the kind of stuff that he's worked on like it uh, i mean of course you can't blame it on the producer but yeah like you you could also blame it on the producer and this be like you know you're the one who's supposed to you know push and just you know cut out trim out all the fat or whatever but yeah clearly like you know he left he, he saw sense in keeping a song like this um which yeah for me like it just took like a kitchen sink approach basically like it just and you know like that's that's really not um 
again like that i mean it's i guess maybe sometimes uh, it's kind of the worst way an album ends actually like when you just see a band do every like try to do everything in like the last song as like one last hurrah or whatever the fuck you call it but yeah um so yeah for me it just didn't work like no matter how much you know they try to like push and pull and you know uh, all all the stuff yeah like it, there's there's so much like um like there's just so much anger and you know like there's a lot of like intensity in the song where it's all quite misguided i feel so yeah it's going to be a b at best for me um what about you um animesh oh wait you already did right hmm. yeah i think we've got everyone scores except uh ravi you didn't actually grade the song oh yeah sorry uh, definitely a d <laughs> all right so with that we finish uh grading all the songs here i'm going to quickly ask for your grades on production um i'll start this one off and say that the production on this album is pretty good um it manages to make it 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 does justice to the entire band yes it is polished up but that's okay they wanted that on this particular album and thank god they did uh finally you can hear jason newstead um so yeah overall it's it sounds justice good. for so, jason there was justice for jason, for jason. absolutely yeah. so yeah i i i did this an a purely in terms of production yeah it's an a for me also for production it just sounded great on like you know on, uh, as long as it sounds great on every sort of things and it doesn't sound too sort of dated that way like even now uh, it still sounds like you know it uh, you know packs a punch that way so yeah it's an a for me for production same i mean in a spotify apple music era where everyone's kind of consuming it it still stands up right it doesn't sound like how many how many times have they remastered or remixed it i think once, once right once yeah. Yeah. So, yeah yeah so i think that's just for digital yeah i'd say it's but, a pretty uh, good yeah sorry peter i interrupt no i i think I, and and i think like you can tell right i mean uh we we can get to like what we thought and what everyone thought about the album but like this is where you can tell like you know bob rock's influence right the kind of uh, getting in there but did, did, how how much did it impact like the songwriting and all of that i think we've already <laughs> discussed that ravi yeah i think it's a very good sounding album i think uh, one of the things to remember at that time was the fact that you know cable was just expanding all over the world i'm not sure if this was a conscious decision but lots of people at that point of time didn't have tvs with really great sound reproduction right so when you had songs that were really busy or that were not mixed properly they just kind of came off sounding even worse than they would on an actual audio system i think the production on this was so good it actually compensated for the limitations of the technology that a lot of people were listening to music or had their first exposure to these songs on back then which was mainly you know televisions with didn't have stereo or you know stuff like that hmm already so good so a round of ace on the production what about the artwork guys <laughs> to, uh, me, to me in terms <laughs> of the artwork it's a b it's not up to the mark with uh, i think this was a printing error or some sort of an artwork error like Dude, generally imagine if you can you imagine buying like the indian print edition of it like you probably couldn't see no you, you couldn't definitely see uh, yeah i buy it and it was terrible can you imagine somebody putting out a print ad for this 
Like you can't see it. Fuck it up so badly. It'll just look like a printing error, basically. They'll be like, for your consideration, for the Grammys, this black square, basically. <laughs> see, if it had been, if it had been just a black square, uh, then maybe it would be interesting, you know, like fill the void or whatever through the never. Um, it it like you know, there's so many there's so many ways you can interpret that, but. This genuinely, like after after having I, seen such fabulous I, artwork from Metallica, to see something like this banal, um, it's like it's like they spent all the money in production and ran out of money for artwork. <laughs> it felt like that. So they were like, "I'm just draw a snake on this count." <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, I think in a way it sets expectations for uh, the fans for the Metallica of the future. It's like you know what, this is not the band that you knew and loved. Bye. <laughs> so wait, I'm I'm very curious, Ravi. Like now we're saying black album or self-titled or whatever. How how did you refer to the album or how was it referred? We just call so it Metallica you can... because you know it was yeah, supposed it's a to be a self-titled Metallica. album. Yeah. So you know we just called it Metallica by Metallica. Yeah. Okay. So quick grades on artwork. I've I've given it a B. B. I mean, actually, <laughs> I did an A because it was it worked very effectively as a warning. It was like don't don't buy this and don't buy any of our other albums if you like the first four. Yeah, easy <laughs> album to recognize because it's all a, it's all just black, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so that that pretty much sums up the entire uh, grading. And yes, uh, as as you know, that's the verdict. It's not an all A's album. But here's the thing, right? Whatever the verdict may be, we just have to also live with the fact that this, for many, remains the magical Metallica album, and it has a really special status for almost every heavy metal fan, which is weird, right? So I think, yeah, I think let's 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 quickly just talk about what this album has come to mean. Uh, but obviously, we won't do it in the in the legacy kind of a perspective. Instead, um, here are a few questions, which which let's see whether whether it helps us make make sense of this album at that kind of a level first off hypothetically would the ba- would the black album or would metallica exist uh, the album okay not the band if cliff burton had not passed away oh uh, that's man. tough one that's really tough to yeah. answer this this is like a separate episode we can do <laughs> <laughs> no think yeah. about it because um i think cliff Cliff's presence was still firmly in the room at the time of Justice for All, and maybe that had too much Cliff in it. But do you think the band would have been in a similar headspace if Cliff hadn't passed away? Would they still want to? Like it's almost all the stories that I've read about the production of the Black Album has Lars and James uh, saying that they wanted an album that was simpler. right they wanted an album yeah. that was a bit more accessible for everyone right and if you set that kind of an objective the black album delivers on that objective definitely yeah right do you think uh if cliff had still been around that kind of an objective would still have existed or would you have seen uh, maybe all the musicians of metallica basically enrolling in berkeley school of music and becoming a, a better dream theater than dream theater ever was 
Well, okay, maybe that's putting it far too much, but whatever. Yeah. You get what I mean. Yeah, I was just like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. so I mean, you know, I'll try taking a stab at this. It's always a very, very difficult question to answer. Of course, yeah. Uh, you know, with all those caveats taken, I'd say probably no, because from what I've kind of heard of uh, Cliff, and considering the fact that, you know, a lot of the really complex, busy songs were songs that he had composed, and, you know, like you mentioned, it was the cliff influence that kind of was paramount, even when And Justice for All was being written. So I think by the time they got around to recording this, they'd, in a sense, unshackled themselves from mm-hmm. his memory and his approach and his way of doing things. If you think about it, uh, look at the first album, which is, I think, uh, Kill Em All. You know, most of the songs are a little simpler then, you know, uh, the song yeah. on Ride the Lightning, Puppets, which were, you know, predominantly cliff-driven albums. And then, of course, And Justice for All. So, yeah, probably no. Uh, would they have been as successful? Definitely no. In the sense that this was Metallica swinging for the commercial fences. And, uh, you know, they did what they had to do. They got the guy who produced Bon Jovi and Motley Crue. Uh, They essentially had a very, very, I mean, none of this was by accident. They had a very conscious focus that, okay, you know what? We don't want to be the biggest thrash metal band because the biggest thrash metal band is still going to be something that maybe around 50,000 or 60,000 people worldwide know about. We want to be the biggest metal band or rather the biggest band with metal in the title. So, you know, uh, that's essentially the approach as far as... uh, Uh, the Black Album was concerned. If you think about it, uh, you know, Iron Maiden doesn't have its Black Album. And, you know, it's the reason why, uh, while you may have differing views on their discography, uh, at least as a heavy metal band, I kind of respect them more because they attained massive commercial success, but on their own terms. Mm, Interesting. Okay. Wait, Anurag, Peter, do you guys want to chime in on this question or should I move on to the next question? No, I think no, so just to... Yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I just, just, I mean, just looking back at the memory of Cliff, right? I'd like to think that, you know, he would still stand his own and I don't, I don't know, man. It would be like really weird if he also kind of gave in uh, and put together, I mean, uh, on the Black Album, decided to make it simpler, right? And just gave in to the consensus to what uh, James and Lars wanted. But uh, I'd, I'd like to think that, you know what, Metallica would have been completely different and we would never ever uh, hear a Saint Anger if he was still around, <laughs> let alone uh, the Black Saint Album. Saint Anger though is like, that's, that's, I know, I know, that's, that's a I'm different saying. era, but, but whatever, <laughs> I get what you mean. When, you, when you're using the word gave in, um, right? So this naturally brings up the second question and I'd like, and I'd like Anurag to begin this one. Uh, do you guys think that Metallica sold out with the Black Album? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, and considering like sold out has like so many different connotations. connotations yeah. Like, you know, somebody will be like, so we sold out, so what kind of thing. So, um, yeah, like I, I feel like they definitely did. They, they made that leap uh, and they didn't, I think uh, for the most part, they didn't really care what people thought. Uh, and which is, I guess, how you ought to be if, if you're in music, I guess, like, you know, you can't be like 
too much like hung up on, you know, like what will this one fan sitting in this one room think about us uh, when we unre- when we when we release like you know nothing else matters or something. So yeah, um, definitely they did do that. Yeah, uh, what, what do you think, Ravi? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, this was a very. I mean, this was if you ask me the most conscious and deliberate attempt at going commercial we've probably heard in the history of heavy metal. I think Megadeth tried to do it, but were nowhere near as successful uh, at it, mainly because, you know, Mustaine doesn't have the voice of Hetfield. He didn't have a voice that was malleable enough to, you know, do the sneering kind of stuff and then also do a fairly effective power ballad, uh, though he tried with the Thulamon, but, you know, uh, I think... Every element, pretty much in their career after that, every element was calibrated by, you know, how can we be more accessible? How can we be more accessible? Until, you know, oddball experiments like Lulu, where they're now rich enough to experiment, you know, they're rich enough to mix it up a little. And they know that there's going to be at least maybe around 100,000 first day, first buyer, I mean, buyers and things like that. So I think they mix it up a little now, but, you know, it was definitely them selling out. And, uh, well, considering the fact that they're now multi-billionaires, probably good for them. Mm. You know, there's nothing worse than trying to sell out and then, you know, not really hitting those commercial goals like so many other bands tried. Yeah, trying to sell out and failing. That's that's embarrassing. (laughs) Okay, cool. So... That leads me to the next question then, which should be taken by all of us. Peter, start this one off. Is this Metallica's best album? No, man. Not not at all. But best-selling album? Yes. Because like 30 years later, they're still on the Billboard charts. Because now the Billboard charts, the entry level is so low. I don't know. Did I discuss this with you guys? Like all you have to do to sell, get into the Billboard 200 right now is sell 400 albums. 400 uh, copies of your album. That's how low it is. And Metallica selling like a couple of thousand consistently every week. So like best album commercially, 100%. If 30 years later, they're still selling out and on the charts. Uh, best album? No, man. Like it's, it's so hard. Like, again, this is going to be like another debate for another episode. Which one? And we can do like the best of the first four because I think there's a consensus among the first four. But uh, yeah, man. Okay, not not at all. Uh, I'd say uh, it's uh, it's definitely the best album for them, and I think it's probably. I mean, if you take if you take this discussion out of our admittedly elitist kind of little circle that we have going here, I think it's as far as the general public or the world at large is concerned, the best Metallica album. Uh, There's lots of people who actually don't like the album too much now, but for whom it was almost a kind of gateway drug to heavy Mm -hmm. music. You know, you kind of got in on the slightly lighter weight songs, like maybe around, uh, you know, uh, Nothing Else Matters, you moved on to Unforgiven. If you think about the way the singles were released, there's actually a kind of progression there. So, you know, you get in on Nothing Else Matters, which is basically the ground floor. And Nothing Else Matters, in my opinion, is indistinguishable sonically from everything I do, I do it for you. So it's at that level. Then, you know, you upgrade slightly to 
the Unforgiven. Then from there, you go on to Wherever I May Roam, which has this very, very catchy chorus. You move on to Enter Sandman, which is a slightly more menacing sort of song. And then, you know, you're kind of prepared to explore the rest of their discography and you're prepared to explore more in the heavy metal pond or sea or ocean or whatever you want to call it. So I think as a gateway to heavy metal, I think it's definitely their best album. Uh, but personally, it's their worst and they were dead to me the day they released it. Ooh, strong take. So wait, first, first, that means you're rating this album below St. Anger. Uh, and Lulu. I haven't heard uh, anything after that. When I said they were dead to me, I meant that very literally. I mean, I heard a couple of songs on Load and I was like, nah, this is it. Then I heard I Disappear and, uh, you know, the lyrics you, were just you lit- so atrocious. <laughs> you disappeared. <laughs> I disappeared. <laughs> yeah, I think the only song I've heard by them, which was even slightly interesting in all these years, was probably the title uh, track of Hard By It, which was, you know, an attempt at kind of creating a sort of belated, yeah. middle-aged, flashy song. But We are back. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. All right, Anurag, is this Metallica's best album? Uh, no, man, and and like actually, like uh, at least I'm speaking from personal experience, right? Uh, and for me, like I I don't even have a favorite Metallica album, unfortunately, because like I'm not that much into thrash metal to say that any of the previous albums are to my liking. So yeah, uh, by that regard, yeah, like I don't have a favorite Metallica album, um, and so that way, yeah, it, it's probably. Uh, yeah, it's tough to say, I guess. <laughs> okay. Which, which okay. leaves you, Animesh? Um, It's not Metallica's best album for me either. But here's the thing, right? And I was thinking about this. About think, I was thinking about this while preparing for this episode. Um, this is the first All A's episode in which I didn't have to listen to the entire album from beginning to end and meticulously spend time on each song or the song elements because... Um, as a young heavy metal fan, I've listened to this album n number of times already, and all the songs are s- still with me in some way. So when you immediately, yes, even if it is as forgettable as the struggle within, the fact that I've already heard it so many times earlier, that counts for something. Uh, it's definitely not Metallica's best album for me because I don't revisit this album at all. I don't need to, right? It. It's, it's not special. But here's the thing. I don't miss revisiting this album because it's just so popular. I've heard uh, Nothing Else Matters so many times at so many places where you would never expect to hear rock music. I've Hard heard, Rock Cafe. <laughs> yeah, but Hard Rock Cafe, you expect to hear Nothing Else Matters, right? Like I'm, th- I'm, <laughs> saying, I'm saying places like Bar Stock Exchange, which is a bar, like right? where, where people at the end of the day start dancing. Uh, I've heard this at like, I don't know, name any other odd dance club. Um, I've heard this, That's... I've heard this on rotation. I've heard this on rotation in a gym for God's sakes. Right. It, what? Wait, yeah. which song you heard in the gym? Nothing, Nothing else matters. matters. Nothing else matters has wow. been played in the gym. Yeah, that was probably the cool down music or something. Whatever it yeah, was. I'm just wondering. Whatever us. it was. See, the fact, the fact that Nothing Else Matters, Enter Sandman and Sad But True have reached that it's basically those three songs, and I would maybe include Wherever I May Roam on that list as well. I don't include Unforgiven on the list because Unforgiven has never been as popular as the other songs. 
have been but these three songs have gone on to define uh what heavy metal is supposed to be for the masses and purely on those lines i think yes you have to concede that this is metallica's most popular album even though for each one of us it's not going to be their best album by a long shot um so which leads me to my penultimate question here which is does this album deserve the title of being the representation of heavy metal to anyone outside the genre this has to be i mean like if you think about it right the reason why i was talking earlier why it sells is because this is like your marketing executives come into a room and decide ki ha what is the best kind of way to get people into metal and if on that basis yeah i mean just just look at it i mean what you're talking about earlier right these are playlist songs these are the songs that are just there to fill in playlists there's nobody like consciously thinking ki ha metallica i need to put one metallica song in the mix uh in there right i think just basis just the kind of legacy it has i mean there are how many bands how many bands that are covering and how many artists that have been commissioned to do that whole blacklist thing there's a reason mm. why that happens right i mean you've got i i and i've actually written this down cuz i didn't remember the guy's name but there's a reggaeton singer from colombia called j balvin who i had no idea who the hell he was he's done a c- version of wherever i may roam ravi i'm 100% sure you shouldn't listen to it but just trivia and can you imagine you better get all lead so i think i will <laughs> <laughs> no no so it's it's only him just throwing in like a verse or whatever probably like the snoop dog uh, kind of thing but that's it right the very fact that the 30 years later uh, corporate metal has decided to now you know make it even more massy can you just imagine the number of people that are going to hear it now there's going to be somebody who's a fan of this j balvin here of metallica there's somebody who's a fan of i don't know whichever band yeah ah who are just suddenly going to discover and the reason why they've done it with this album and none of the first four is because this is the one that can actually go out i mean i'm going to talk about the elephant in the room did you fucking think that divine has actually heard unforgiven but the fact that he features on that is the fact right like i mean is the fact that they want to make i mean while it is charity and i get all of that but come charity. on man yeah it goes for charity right oh, all okay. the money uh, that i thought you meant in the case of featuring the divine, divine. <laughs> <laughs> well oh, I, i i i i mean i at the <laughs> sticking sorry, my neck out yes forgot the, about the fact that yes all of the songs on the blacklist <laughs> are in some way set but, up but the, but that still doesn't but the, that still doesn't take away that divine feature on there is a charity let's put it out there and i say it mm. but uh, there's a reason why that happened right is all of this is only because they know that the fact that they can market it and push it out uh, more and whether we like it or not like four of us may not like this album and not rate it and all is to the suits and everyone else and the marketing executive they just been seeing money 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 so that's unfortunately become the best representation as much as we dislike it please anurag give, give us a different perspective <laughs> yeah no I, i mean like exactly right like if you zoom out a little bit it's it's a self titled album by a band called metallica 
you know, it has metal in, in their name. Uh, so in on that level, like it literally feels like that this, yeah, that, that they wanted to be that name that everybody would associate metal music with or heavy music with. So, and yeah, they 100% achieved that with this uh, album. That's what I would say. Hmm. I buy that. I completely buy that too. Ravi. Yeah, I mean, I think I uh, said this earlier. It's definitely um album that would possibly convert a non-fan into heavy metal, you know. Like, if you hadn't heard any heavy metal before that, and if you heard this, it walks the line between being catchy while at the same time being, you know, uh, different from main, different enough from mainstream commercial music to, you know, be a little intriguing. And of course, uh, the fact that, you know, there's a whole bunch of people who've chosen to kind of reinterpret the songs in their own way. The fact that the songs are commercial enough uh, to allow for such a reinterpretation, I think it's definitely, you know, full props to them for selling out the way they did because you yeah. know, if you're going to sell out, this is the way to do it and, uh, you know, not make some half-ass song with the chorus in French. And that... Ouch! <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> cool. And that leaves me with the final question and this is purely on popular demand. Uh, it's the biggest fucking burning question that this album or this discussion warrants. What did you guys make of the blacklist and especially Vishal Dadlani, Divine and Shore Police's cover of The Unforgiven? <laughs> Anurag, I want to hear Ravi's, you go. So for people who can't see this, Ravi's just gone and muted himself because he's absolutely just uh, <laughs> laughing his guts out. He, he is imitating the, the Seinfeld laugh track at this point, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I think Anurag will have the most unbiased no, opinion. No, on dude, this. What are you talking about? What, what unbiased? What the fuck? Like, no, dude. Like, I, I haven't heard the album. Like, I just don't want to listen to it. Like, it's, it's yeah, I mean, Wait, it's clearly you... just a marketing gimmick. Like, I heard the Weasel cover because it played on uh, some radio channel that I was listening to. And when the Divine cover came out, I was just like, yeah, I think enough people have said enough about this that uh, they don't, like, yeah, I don't get any, no value has been, will be added by me listening to this. So yeah, I just completely avoided it, man. And then there might be a chance where I'll check it out on a whim later because like Animesh mentioned the Snoop Dogg song and stuff like that. Like, you know, that might like, might like, yeah, make me curious, but otherwise, no, not, not really. No, not gonna listen to it. Probably. So, so you're not gonna buy the blacklist for sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I think that kind of sums up my approach to the blacklist as well. I was genuinely excited when it first, like when the idea was approached, but oh, it's it's just it's just too much, man. I'd rather listen to to the black album willingly than have to sit through fifty <laughs> more than fifty songs of or variations of the same song and which which one has the most number of covers i forgot i don't care at this point i think it's and nothing else matters i think nothing else matters is the one that has the most matters yeah. yeah it's quite ham-fisted that way that you know like they got different artists cover same songs it's a, again it's a great it's a great thing to do when you are trying to bump up the popularity of a of such a popular album in the first place um but yeah whatever i'm not i mean I'm, it, it's, I'm, I'm no it's longer like looking so... at it as i'm no longer looking at it as 
holy shit this is cool and i have to listen to snippets of it and, but yeah it's it's going to be a task like i think the blacklist album will become the de facto torture device used by us military now <laughs> it is not already like just to having to sit through that entire i don't know what four hours of music three hours of music whatever and talking about the unforgiven uh i'm over it it happened it occupies air space fuck it i hope somebody <laughs> makes money out of it someone clearly hope, is and i uh, the ch- i, I hope, hope charities it, benefits right i genuinely hope sure. all the people in the 59 can go like holy shit this metallica thing is pretty cool if divine listens to it we should li- we should listen to it <laughs> and that's and that's the way you bump up uh, you justify another metallica concert in india where you'll get like maybe 20000 or 30000 people to attend and half the tickets will be like because everybody expects divine to come on stage and perform and then they'll be like oh astounded and you'll have a riot here because uh, divine didn't come out and play a metallica song. ouch ouch <laughs> i've already built this in my head this is going to happen now that yeah, should be the epilogue to your black album book <laughs> that's an idea no but 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 here's the thing i mean since everyone's kind of said what they had i already said what i wanted to say about divine uh imagine if they took the approach that nativity in black was there right the tribute to black sabbath like you actually got people in there and it wasn't like a marketing thing because right now it seems like a marketing thing They've, the reason why there's a reggaeton singer doing a cover there's a reason why i don't know why why shore police because for a lot of people they were like who are shore police honestly uh were chosen from india but whatever man i mean uh, nepotism or call it what you want um the fact that you know they've taken this approach of finding who are the popular artists and how it will work but imagine if they did it the style that nativity in black was done, if you'd done who would you like style. to see dude if you done who would you like to of- have seen that's my question if it was still like if the intention was still to popularize it or to or to make it relevant in terms of country specific thing there would be no doubt that then that then that you would have had brahma fucking fronting uh <laughs> <the> indian cover kind of come back no no no, <laughs> no like then who else right what scepter no i'm just saying like in terms of general i don't care about india i'm like, i'm like let's no, forget the, the fact No, the, the generally, who had... the artist you would like really like to see? Because, like, even when you go back listening to both the versions, I mean, both volumes of Nativity and Black, right? There are a bunch of cool artists that kind of have of covered uh, Black Sabbath. Of Sabbath. course, see, that's so, the thing. I'm saying it's very easy. No, no, no. Uh, um, what I'm saying is, I love the idea of the blacklist. Okay, i I think it's I think it's a fabulous concept, especially when you take this kind of an album, which is so popular and which almost every musician has a story too, right? The fact that the fact that a Lady Gaga can go and talk to a metal site and say that hey, I like Metallica because of the Black album, or the fact that even a Miley Cyrus actually is a Metallica fan to some level, to even fucking Akshay Kumar going out and saying that okay, I've heard. Uh, nothing else matters or whatever of that sort i i'm not sure but i think that he said that somewhere right uh, or some other leading bollywood actor has said that i'm pretty sure saif ali khan is like a guitar to do it <laughs> i think saif ali khan would be a guitar to that particular cover yeah but <laughs> um 
the concept of a blacklist is great i would have loved to see more high profile artists but why they did it in the fashion that they did it is is outstanding man because you will it will drive new listeners of this of uh, of those musicians to metallica itself and i think anurag got hit the hit the uh, like really 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 hit the uh, hammer on the nail as such when he said that this is when you look at it from the long lens this is a brilliant ploy to make uh, or to just add to the fact that metallica is the world's biggest heavy metal band and i think that's like take it or leave it it is the legacy of the black album now no matter how much we may me we we may whine about it we have to live with it and i think on that only on that front it's great I completely agree. I honestly don't think it was conceived as something where you know people would actually buy physical copies of it and sit around listening to you know in, infinite covers of this one. This was yeah. obviously created for uh, streaming generation, and you know uh, you listen to your uh, favorite contemporary artist do a take on this. the old heavy metal song by the zero old heavy metal band and you know it's uh it's an interesting and amusing kind of experience for you as a listener and maybe again if you're interested enough you work your way back to the source so yeah i think it's definitely marketing driven which is probably precisely why they didn't want to get heavy metal bands in because what would have been the point of that uh, i mean heavy metal bands already listen to metallica heavy metal fans sorry already listen to metallica and have an opinion either for or against the black album so this was obviously an attempt to get a new audience in so you know the question of them getting heavy metal bands to pull together and cover the album is redundant because they don't want any more heavy metal fans they want mm. non heavy metal fans so you know uh, i think from that point of view it's a good strategy Uh, speaking specifically about the divine cover or the vishal devlani cover i didn't hate it as much as i thought i was going to it was all right it was a little sonic wallpapery i think i hated the uh, yoyoma outro to uh, you know nothing else matters more than i hated the divine and vishal devlani thing because you know maybe it was just a question of expectations i expected better from yoyo man i expected absolute crud from these people but the oh well it's sad <laughs> but true hang on would 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 you uh, yes. so so i so i'm going to throw this in cuz and ravi is going to absolutely hate me uh-huh. but would you would you take vishal dadlani and co's cover of the unforgiven or the cover of Uh, come together uh that's tough probably yeah. the unforgiven because uh michel sounds fairly decent in his bits you know uh i i think he was trying trying to do a uh what's that band called disturbed doing sounds of silence style vibe uh but you know he did a fairly decent job of it it's not something that i'm ever going to go back to but you know it didn't actively infuriate me when i heard it i'm like come together which was you know i need to find something to stab my eyes and my ears with in dune <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Ah, so on that note, ladies and gentlemen, whoever still listening to this, what's clear by now is that Four Horns Up, Metallica's Metallica or the Black Album is not an Ollie's album, but we are okay if it's yours. And that's all that we're going to say about it. Tell us what you feel. You can write into us at hornsuppod.com or find us on Twitter at hornsuppod. As always, I am on Twitter at Asbohani. I'm at Trendcrusher. I'm at Anurag Taggart on Twitter. And Ravi is still... At home. <laughs> exactly. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> Till the next time, guys. Horns up. Horns up. Horns up, guys. Yes. Bye. Horns up. Horns up. Horns up. Horns up. Horns up.